0: Um, Tim did all my setup work for me, so we are launching a new series this morning, I Am Jesus, and we get to jump right into I Am the Good Shepherd. And what Jesus is doing in this scripture is just like we do anytime time that we start a small group, or maybe if you've come to our membership class, Vineyard 201, we go around and we have everybody introduce themselves And tell a little bit about themselves so we get to know them. And it usually goes something like, hi, I'm Brian, I used to be a pastry chef. I have three wonderful children, I'm married to Tonda, and I have one grandchild. And occasionally you get someone, who will say, I'm Tiffany, and I like warm mochas and, you know, long walks on the beach. But most of the time, people just flat out say who exactly they are. And that's what Jesus is going to do in this scripture. So if you want to jump into John 10... Uh, We're going to read one to around down to 18 or so. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let's pray. Well, Father God, thank you that that you do reveal yourself to us, that you teach us and tell us exactly who you are and how we can respond to that. So this morning, Lord, I just ask that you do. You reveal yourself to us, that you get your word deep in our hearts, and in our minds, Lord, and you use this to change lives and to draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Jesus comes right out and he says, I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I am a shepherd. He doesn't even say, I am the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. So we can learn a lot about Jesus just in those three or four words. As he says right before he says that, if he's the good shepherd... That implies that there's a bad shepherd. And that would be the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you're familiar with your Bible at all, we know who we're describing right there. That's Satan. Satan would be the bad shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Satan is the bad shepherd. I like to say God has a wonderful plan for your life and loves you. Satan has a terrible plan for your life and hates you. It's that simple, good or bad and if Jesus is the shepherd, what then does that make us, the people he's speaking to? Yeah, sheep. Everybody say, "Ba." <laughs> very good. Okay. Well, there's uh, more than a few problems with sheep, as we will find out here in a minute. But God is very comfortable likening his people to sheep. In fact, in the Bible, God uses this metaphor over 200 times. To describe his people—that's an awful lot. Uh, by way of comparison, uh, dogs. Anybody know how many times dogs are mentioned in the Scripture? Uh, forty-four, actually, forty-four times. Uh, Paul writes about them. They're you know throughout the Scripture and things. Um, kind of just to contrast that, cats. Anybody know how many times cats are mentioned? No, zero, zero times. God does not care to mention cats. Now, I would have accepted lion, because that is a member of the feline family, but what does God liken a lion to? He says, Satan prowls about like a lion, looking to capture his prey. Therefore, at least in my mind, the cat-Satan connection is complete. Yes, there's, there's that line as well. You are correct. Anyway, if I called you a sheep to your face this morning, you would probably understand that that is not a compliment. Uh, most of us understand that sheep are fairly stupid animals. Not fairly stupid, they're just stupid. <laughs> okay? Uh, if you need any proof of that, um, in, I have a documented thing. Uh, and I want to thank Craig Groschel who did all the research on uh, the sermons that we're all uh, presenting here this morning. He's done a wonderful job of looking some things up. But he found a documented instance from eastern Turkey where because no one stopped to think about it, 400 sheep followed the lead sheep right over a cliff to their death. Sheep are not intelligent animals. So the other things we know about sheep is that they're stupid. And if you're saying, I'm not as stupid as a sheep, hold on, just... Hold that thought, we'll get to you, okay? Uh, Sheep get lost. This is your first fill-in. Sheep get lost, and they get lost kind of easily. In fact, Isaiah says in uh, chapter 53 that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. And that's because sheep are very easily distracted. They will see what they think are some nice fresh berries over in the woods, and they will wander away from the flock. And they actually, if you could trace their steps, it would look much like this dotted line of a butterfly because they're so busy looking behind them at all the wonderful places they've just been. And then they figure out they're lost. And when they get lost, sheep, unlike any other animal, get stressed. And when sheep get stressed, they start making even more stupid decisions. Are you starting to understand The equation here between us and sheep. Sheep get lost, they get stressed, and they make stupid decisions because of it. The next problem that sheep have, and this is your next fill-in, sheep are defenseless. Sheep are defenseless. God gave other animals claws, horns, uh, hooves, fangs, all kinds of things, but to sheep he gave none of these things. So in the face of a wolf, prowling about the sheep herd trying to pick one of them off for dinner. They have absolutely no defense. I'm sure they would love it if they could somehow look like this. And the truth is, we are just as defenseless as sheep. We have no natural weapons against evil. If you think today, I don't have a rocket launcher that will take out the lust that leads to a pornography addiction, I don't have a machine gun that will shoot down the greed in my life that will lead to terrible business decisions. I don't have any of those things. So we, like sheep, are exactly defenseless. The third thing we know about sheep is this. Sheep are stubborn. And I want everybody to turn to your neighbor right now and say, oh, this is the part where he's talking about you. You're very stubborn. You're very sheep-like. And see, some of you won't even do that because you're so stubborn. Because I told you to do it, you won't do it. But the truth is, is sheep are stubborn. And a sheep will get itself in a mess of trouble. They will get in a briar bush or they will get wedged between rocks. And instead of doing the sensible thing and backing out, they will continue going forward because they're too stupid to know that there's a better way to do this and get themselves lodged deeper and deeper and deeper. Does that sound like anyone you know? Raise your hand. Don't point. (laughs) The last thing we know about sheep for sure is this. Sheep are filthy. Sheep are dirty, dirty, dirty animals. If you are picturing in your mind the cute little surda sheep right now, just do a brain wipe and get rid of that. This past summer, uh, my wife Tonda and I took the kids and we went to Missouri and uh, out there, one of her uncles is a big uh, organizer of the Missouri State Fair. So we got into the Missouri State Fair for free and we got to uh, go back to the animal show pens and He shows hogs, so that's what we got to see first. And I can tell you, I was not raised on a farm, okay? So it all smells bad to me. (laughs) But at least the hogs, you know, you could tell they could hose them off, and it wasn't quite that bad. By the time we got over to the sheep, let me tell you what, that was a foul stench. Sheep have no way to clean themselves. We'll say that in cats' favor. They can at least clean themselves. Sheep have no way to do that. Things get caught up in that wool, and they cling there, and they stink. And I will let you use your imagination on that. Just one word, walking dingleberry. Exactly. And to tell you the truth to God, our sin looks and smells exactly like that. You've heard the phrase, stink to high heaven. It's true, and we do. Our sin is absolutely unacceptable to a perfect God. A loving God, but a perfect God cannot have filth in his presence. So what do we do? Why is God so comfortable likening us to sheep? Stupid, lost, stubborn, filthy, animals the good news is because god sent a good shepherd to care for us jesus is the good shepherd and there is no better news in the world because without a shepherd sheep are doomed sheep are absolutely doomed so let's look at some of the characteristics of a good shepherd this morning the first one your first fill in is this (laughs) A good shepherd guides his sheep. A good shepherd guides his sheep. We're going to go into Psalm 23, which is uh, by David, who was a shepherd. And so there's a, it's very, very rich in shepherding imagery. And he says right in the beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And if you go down to the third verse, it says, he guides me along right paths for his namesake we say that together? He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. The Lord guides me. Well, how does he do that? How exactly what does he do that? Well, If we jump back into our passage in John 10, we'll see there in verse 3 and 4, Jesus says this. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Further down, Jesus will reiterate again that his sheep know and hear his voice. So if you want Jesus to guide you, If you have a decision to make, should I move to this city? Should I take this job? Should we have more children? Should I become a part of this church? Should I date this person? Here's what I do. Here's your chance to say, Lord, you said you would be my good shepherd. Guide me. It's your job, Lord, to guide me. My job is merely to hear and follow. And that takes it all off our shoulders. It puts it right square on him, which is exactly where he wants it. When we talk about surrendering our lives to Jesus, this is what we're talking about. Allowing him to guide us. Back when, uh, back in December, we had a chance to go hear my daughter, Emma, at a violin recital at her school. And they had packed everyone in the school gymnasium, and it was just, before the show, it was a little bit chaotic. There are kids running back and forth, and it's filling up with literally hundreds of adults and um, middle school-age girls and yappity-yappity and all kinds of noise and chaos. And as we're sitting there, I hear one little girl down on the floor say, Hi, Daddy. And I heard one, exactly one voice up behind me say, Hi, Pumpkin. Why? That man, that father, knew his daughter's voice out of all of that because he spends time with her every day. When she comes home from school and he comes home to work, he talks to her about how her day went. Maybe in the morning they get to eat breakfast together. He says, you know, I I know you've got this and this going on today. You know, I, I want you to know I'm there for you. On Sunday afternoons, they're hanging out together at the house. They spend time together. They know each other. That voice is imprinted on his brain. Jesus wants you to have that same thing. If you're saying I don't hear him this morning, I respectfully say you need to get to know him better. And how we get to know him is through reading his word, is through praying, and through worship like we're going to do here in a few minutes. Get to know him. He wants to know you very badly. Second thing a good shepherd does, and this is your next fill-in, is a good shepherd provides for his sheep. A good shepherd provides for his sheep. Our God is good. Our God is good, and he wants to give us good things. Again, in the 23rd Psalm, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I lack nothing. A man named Philip Keller wrote a book about the 23rd Psalm, and in there... He writes that sheep need three things, three things before they'll lay down to rest at night. And I think we're pretty much the same. They need to be full, they need to have eaten. They need to be getting along with each other, or they will not lay down to sleep. And they need to feel safe. The same three things we need every night we need to have a full belly. You need to be at peace with the people around you, and you need to feel safe. And that's what the good shepherd does for us. That's how he provides all of those things for us. It says that he leads us beside quiet waters. Do you know why David makes a point of saving quiet waters? This, I didn't know this. Sheep instinctively will not drink from a fast-rushing stream. They are stupid animals, but they do know enough to know that one slip and they go in that water and all of that wool gets waterlogged and heavy and drags them straight to the bottom of that river and kills them. So they will not drink from rushing water. So a good shepherd guides them beside smooth waters so they can drink and be refreshed and they can get water that they need. Just like Jesus says I am the living water. If you drink from me, what? You will never thirst again. It's it's so important. We're so wrapped up in in all of the things we want him to give us and all the things he wants to provide for us. And he says, done, I can do all of that. But even more, I'm interested in your soul. I'm interested in that you can get real rest. Rest not just sleep, that you can be at peace and be at peace with him. Third thing about a good shepherd is that the good shepherd corrects his sheep. And this is the one we don't like to talk about, is it? (laughs) The good shepherd corrects his sheep. Job uh in the Bible knew a little bit about this he he, at least for a time believed he was being corrected by God because he had everything everything dear to him was stripped away and destroyed his riches, his family, his health everything his wife said why don't you just give up and die God doesn't like you And you know what Job said? In Job 5, he says this, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. He wounds, but he binds up. Sometimes a loving God sees very necessary to save us from ourselves. I have made some stupid decisions that have put me in stupid places, and God let me have those consequences, and I do not do those things anymore. There is a tradition among shepherds where when they have a lamb who's prone to wandering off, and when a lamb wanders off, what happens? They don't just get lost, do they? They get dead. Because outside of the flock, there are wolves. There are things waiting to eat that lamb. Just like there are things outside of the flock waiting to eat you. You don't get lost, you get dead. Sometimes physically dead, but always spiritually dead. And so what that shepherd does is that shepherd grabs that animal and firmly but lovingly breaks his leg And that sounds cruel. But then he takes that lamb, he binds him up, and he puts him up on his shoulders. And for the next two months until that leg heals, that shepherd carries that 40, 50, 60-pound lamb while he works, and he talks to him. And he reassures him. And he lets him know, you can't be running off like that. I have what you need. I'm here to take care of you. We'll do this together. What do you think happens when he puts that lamb back down when his legs heal? Do you think he's going to run off again? No. He knows exactly who's taking care of him. God loves you just the same way. And it's not pleasant. It is not pleasant. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God corrects you so that you can become more like him. God corrects you to save you. Sheep make stupid decisions. God knows that. The very last thing that we know about the good shepherd is this. Your feeling is a good shepherd protects his sheep. A good shepherd protects his sheep. Back to the 23rd Psalm, verse 4 and 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is a shepherd talking. Why all of a sudden are we talking about setting a dinner table in the middle of a field? This is one way God shows that he loves us. In the presence of our enemies, in the presence of all the evil that's out to harm us, in the presence of our unchecked anger, in the presence of our unforgiveness toward our ex-spouse, toward our ex-girlfriend, in the presence of our greed, that we cannot escape or shoot down, he sets a table and he says, come and eat, you are mine. You don't belong to those things. You don't belong to those things. He set a table right here in this room. We call it the communion table. And it's where in the presence of all the evil in the world, in the presence of the sin that is within us, we go and we find forgiveness and grace and a God that sits down beside us and says, this one is mine. No others have a claim. No others have a claim. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. In Palestinian households, you are welcome to stay at the dinner table until they... Stop refilling your glass with wine. It's a subtle way to say, time to go now. David says, God, you never stop refilling my glass. I am welcome with you. And he follows that up with what? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You belong to him forever. 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 That's why he's worried about your eternal peace. That's why he's worried about guiding you and providing for you and correcting you and protecting you. You're his. You're a long-term investment for God. Jesus told a parable one time about a flock, and he said if there were a hundred sheep, if one ran away, I would leave the 99 and go after that one. You're his forever. Let's pray. Can we just say this? Can we just say, Lord, I'm a sheep, but I'm your sheep. And Good Shepherd, I thank you that you want to guide me, want to provide for me. Yes, you want to correct me. And you want to protect me because you love me. If you know the Good Shepherd this morning, talk to him, talk to him right now. Tell him what you need. Scripture says that if we cry out like lambs in the wilderness, he hears us. Tell him what you need. He wants to be your good shepherd. And this morning, if you don't know if you have a shepherd in your life, or you can say, wow, I've been following the wrong shepherd, here's your chance. Here's your chance to say, Good shepherd, I want to be in the fold. I want to be with all those other sheep that you own. All those other sheep that you love enough to guide and provide and correct and protect, I want to be that. There will be some members of the prayer team down here later during worship. If you want to tell the good shepherd that, you can talk to them this morning. They'd love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. And if you have a good shepherd, let's worship him. Let's tell him how good a shepherd he is this morning. Amen.